Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley and our sixth installment of John Piper's book, Astonished by God. I'm your host, Jeremy Pinch, and I'm excited to walk through this chapter with you about the call to global missions. And today I have our assistant to the regional pastor. You got that guy? I got that, I got that guy. Wow. I mean, our associate pastor. And, uh, nope. Uh, no. <laughs> Just assistant pastor. And the head of the missions sector. The, uh, the whole sector. The whole sector. <laughs> of course, this is Rick Whitmer, and uh, I'm glad that he's with us this morning. How are you? Thanks uh, Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Good. God is gracious. Good. And um, yeah, excited to have this conversation. Yeah. yeah so it's too. been a while since I've been on the podcast. Yeah, it has been. Why I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to say who salt it is, but... <laughs> yeah, we uh, know it's mine. <laughs> uh, Rick, you took over the missions department um, back in back in January. Uh, can you take 30 seconds to share one story that has been encouraging to you as you have taken over that role? Um, sure. I have one umbrella that has been encouraging. It's not just one story, but... Um, Something that I didn't anticipate enjoying so much just because I hadn't planned on being, you know, directly involved with missions ministry at Sun Valley. It really caught me by surprise, actually, um, has been getting to support our missionaries directly, um, relationally, in conversations with them and in praying for them, with them, that's been a tremendous blessing and has really energized me um, in feeling a, an organic spiritual connection with the work that God is doing uh, globally um, using our missionaries yeah. and feeling um, more involved in being able to to make help them to feel loved, valued, and, uh, you know, as as it's called, um, holding the rope for them from, mm. from this side. But uh, just recently, one of our missionaries, and here's a story, um, expressed a need. Uh, as they're going into a new region, um, a need came up, and together uh, another church that's supporting them was able to step up in a big way, and we were able to fill in the gap mm. um, the rest of the way. And just uh, I approached about um, a handful of people, uh, seven or eight different people, um, about this need just to see if they'd be interested in participating in it. And, and every single one was excited to, mm-hmm. and God raised up, um, everything that this, these missionaries needed, um, in order to, uh, get into their, uh, region yeah. and, and have a real daily need met. And that was really cool to yeah. see just the passion of, uh, for missions that God has put on the hearts of our people yeah. and their enthusiasm to be involved in that work. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. That is, that is incredibly encouraging story Yeah. Uh, to hear and to be a part of. And um, yeah, so thank you. Well, let's continue our, let's continue our study here of, of this book. And of course we're talking about the call to global missions. Um, he starts off with this chapter talking about uh, his church uh, and uh, the missionaries that were sent out in the 19th century uh, to the Cajun people, and uh, just an encouraging story to just start off with that. Uh, but then he goes into ten biblical convictions um, regarding global missions. Um, Rick, do you want to take some time maybe to to mention some things that stood out to you uh, in that section? Yeah, uh, 
you know, like I mentioned, holding the rope, that's not something that's a new idea. Um, Piper talks about the fact that this is something that William Carey talked about. Mm. Um, he left for India in 1792, and he told his um, minister friends that he would go into the pit. Um, and by that, he, he was not demeaning the Indian people at all and saying that India was a pit, but he just saying, if this is a mine of, of unmined souls that needs to be reached with the gospel, um, he'll go diving into that hmm. mine if um, the people who were sending him and supporting him would hold the rope for him so that he wouldn't fall in and get lost. Yeah. And so that image has been an enduring image in missions, um, holding the rope. And, and something I underlined in this chapter was uh, something Piper's um, basic summary of the involvement of every Christian and church in global missions is really a non-negotiable um, aspect of the Christian life. It's, it is part of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. And he says, we are all of us who believe either goers, senders, or disobedient. Hmm. Those who drop into mines, those who hold the ropes, or those who think it's not their business. Uh, rejoice if you are part of a church that doesn't just support, but sends from your own number families and singles to take the gospel to the peoples of the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can rejoice um, because God has um, raised up um, families from Sun Valley Church um, who are who are there on the front lines, who are going into unreached places, who are translating the Bible um, or laboring for its translation among peoples who have no gospel witness or scriptures at all. Um, so I just want to point out that, that that's just an evidence of grace, mm-hmm. of um, how God is at work in our church, and that's not to our credit or our glory, but to His. Um, but that's something that stood out to me, is yeah. I've gotten to be part of this church for the past nine, uh, going on ten years. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, thinking about thinking about missions, it's not just like a a legalistic go and do this, and we kind of have to like go and do it. If this right. makes sense, like, yeah. mm-hmm. like it's it's not a, a burdensome task. It should be something that tr- we're transformed and seeing and loving because of the glory of Jesus Christ. Yes, you know. So whether we go and are on the field and serving, it's not because it's just a burdensome task. It's because Christ has, has made it beautiful and yes. Christ is worthy of other people knowing. Or if we're staying, you know, we're here to serve and send and love our missionaries. Just as you as you mentioned, um, family stepping up to love this family um, in, a, in a way that is, is glorifying to Christ. Yeah, and that's, I think you just hit on the motivation in missions that is is the only sustainable motivation and that's not a, that's not a pragmatic thing as in well what can we do what's our what motivation can we adopt that's actually going to sustain us in this because we we need that sustenance no that's not it this is the only worthy motivation which is the glory of Christ mm-hmm. um it, it, if not for the glory of God if that's not what's at stake in missions um whether it be you know the the fact of what the church is doing day in and day out here um, at home, or especially going into those hard to reach places or laboring among um, peoples who don't know that that's not glamorous work. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got back from a fellow um, with a team a few weeks ago. We were there for a week, going back and forth. It was exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I felt 
just sick at the end of the week, just didn't feel good. It took a couple days to just kind of recoup. And, and that was just, you know, being able to get a full night's sleep, but it was just the exhaustion of going every day and serving and playing on a playground and doing VBS, um, with children. And, um, you know, that's not glamor. Um, but what we're seeing, you know, with, with like the Ryans is that, um, even though it's not glamorous, it is glorious, mm-hmm. um, and that is glorious to Christ, uh, because what's ultimately going on is this, is that this vision that we have in Revelation of Jesus is being advanced, um, is being worked and labored toward. You know, Revelation five, we have this this whole chapter. Um, we see this vision of God the Father in His exaltation in Revelation four, and then we see the the glory of Jesus in His exaltation in chapter five. And right there at the middle of the chapter, um, the four living creatures and the twenty four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. And here's their song: "Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain." And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Hmm. This is the worthiness of Jesus, which is the motive for going. Uh, because every other motive is is just, it's not it's not going to, it's not a long-term motive. Yeah, it's not going to sustain. And when people go or enter into ministry endeavors for any other motive than the glory of Christ. Um, that's, that is a recipe for burnout Mm. and for, um, you know, crashing and burning, I think ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So his, his 10 biblical convictions, his first two are essentially are starting with that, Mm -hmm. you know, God is passionately committed to the fame of his name. Um, and so that should transform into, uh, gathering of of worshipers, and this yeah. is this is his this is his thesis statement of his book he's written on missions, which is "Let the Nations Be Glad." I would suggest picking up that book; it's really good. But his thesis statement, essentially, of that book is: uh, worship is the goal and fuel of missions. Missions exist because worship doesn't. So, if we're being transformed mm. by the glory of Christ, and we are, if we are in awe and worship, and it should naturally flow out into wanting to gather more worshipers yeah. of who he is. Right. Yeah. Missions is a way, he says, of sharing, uh, or of saying that the joy of knowing Christ is not a private or tribal or national or ethnic privilege. It is for all. You know, and he's, you know, he's drawing this from, from passages um, like, uh, like Psalm 22. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's a, it's a way essentially of seeing that, that most of the world, um, is not living according to the reason they were created, mm-hmm. right? We exist to glorify God and, and those who don't know him can't, they can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're helping them to actually, uh, well, now I'm getting a flashback to, to high school, um, to, a a song, um, new way to be human. <laughs> I switch foot. Uh, we're teaching them a new way to be human, yeah. uh, the, the real, the original, the real way to be human, um, which is to be worshipers mm. of the only true God. Yeah. yeah. Is it because because we are worshipers by nature, um, 
It's just, what are we worshiping? And we're born worshiping substitutes. But in missions, we declare the one true God through Jesus Christ alone. Yeah. 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 I, I, on page 104, um, he says right before he gets into the, into the next section, he says, seeking the worship, seeking the worship of the nations is fueled by the joy of our own worship. Mm. You can't commend what you don't cherish. Yes. You can't proclaim what you don't prize. Worship is the fuel and goal of missions. And I wouldn't even say just missions. I would say for for the church. Yeah, for the Christian life. Yeah. Every single day. Every single day. Spiritual warfare. Yeah, yeah. For the encouragement of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It starts with your own joy in who Christ is. Yeah. yeah. I was just talking with someone the other day who's going through a season of intense spiritual dryness. And that person was saying that they're not sure that, that people who've been lifelong Christians can relate to this, but, you know, having a relationship with God is, is there's a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> and yeah. I thought, oh man, if you only knew. Yeah. And, and well, then they did because I told them, you know, I've been a lifelong Christian, you know, since as far as I can remember. And um, it, it's, it is, I mean, that's the daily struggle yeah. of ups and downs of relationship with God. And when we, the, the first thing to go is always going to be joy in the Lord mm. and nurturing communion with him. Because mm. that is that, you know, oftentimes we don't pursue that unless we feel into it. And when we're starting to get weary or things are going hard, you know, that's what we're not feeling. Yeah. And then everything else in the Christian life is a cascade and, and is impacted by that struggle. Yeah. And so it's the goodness of Jesus, and he, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He will be with us always to the end of the age, you know, just to bring it back to missions. Yeah. You know, his presence is his promise yeah. for how this is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he continues... He continues um, his biblical convictions and um, why should missions continue is because people can't be saved without knowing who Christ is. So they can't. <laughs> there has to be a proclamation. That is not popular. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And even even among and he he highlights this, but even even among hyper Calvinists, mm-hmm. well, it's like if yeah. if people are saved before the foundation of the world, which we've we've discussed and we believe that, um, if people are saved before the foundation of the world. And Jesus knows who's who's saved and who's not. Then what's the point of going and preaching? Yeah, um, and more and more um, Christian, you know, universalism is is a thing, mm-hmm. and people think, well, you know, um, a loving God won't ultimately um, allow people to go to hell, and um, that will just kill. I mean, sounds nice doesn't it? Yeah. But it doesn't really reflect nice. the truth yeah. either about God's holiness um, or his love or us. And missions is essential because this missions is the way that, you know, to to go to Jesus' parable about the strong man being bound, and then once he's bound, his house is plundered. Mm-hmm. Missions is the plundering of the strong man's house. Mm. This world, the prince of the power of the air, Satan, who's at work in the sons of disobedience, um, the only way that his possessions are being plundered is as people go into the house. Yeah. And that's missions. Yeah. yeah. And proclaim the gospel. Yeah. 
not not just do good things, um, social justice works, which which are important, sure, but but not in isolation from the gospel message sure. that drives that. Sure, sure, yeah. I've heard I've heard numerous stories of people who've actually used means to present the gospel. Oh yeah. And that's and that should be the fuel, not mm-hmm. just presenting means. Um and cuz if if the gospel is absent from the means, which is, you know, for example, digging wells. Mm-hmm. Um if the gospel is absent, it's not missions. Right. It's not missions. Right. It's just going and digging a well. Um missions is going and proclaiming the glory of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. to to people who are dying. And several several years ago, someone asked, "Is the gospel word or bread?" Um, hmm. I said, "Make no mistake, word. Yeah. It's the good news. You know, a loaf of bread is not news. Um, the loaf of bread is the you know is the um, is a consequence of the good news. Mm-hmm. Bringing that to somebody who needs it. James says that." You know, if you see your brother hungry or naked and you say, hey, go and be warm and well-fed, and then you do nothing for him, that's not, that's not faith. That's not gospel faith, um, but gospel faith clothes and loves and proclaims. Yeah, 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 going and proclaiming. You know, in, in Piper, he continues that idea of, like, we don't, we don't need, um, um, uh, what does he say? Where am I at? Um, we need more Pauline type apostles or no, that was not really apostles, <laughs> not apostles, okay. but missionaries. Where are you? Well, no longer at Sun Valley Church. <laughs> yeah. Let's get you down to the uh, apostolic yeah. faith church there. <laughs> yes. We need more Pauline missionaries. missionaries. Yeah, that was go. a super helpful <laughs> distinction. Um, the versus the not, not instead of Timothy type yeah. missionaries, but he makes a really good distinction there yeah. that the foreign frontline, frontier missionaries, yeah. whereas, you know, Timothy as an emissary of the Apostle Paul, an mm-hmm. apostolic emissary, mm-hmm. went to a place that was already reached in yeah. order to help nurture and, and advance the faith there. And because of the strategic location of Ephesus, um, right there at the, at the epicenter of Asia, right. you know, the gospel went everywhere, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. But Timothy wasn't you know, front line the way that Paul was right. saying, I want to go into Spain because the gospel hasn't been proclaimed there yet. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really, really awesome. Right. To think about that because so often I think we get in this mindset that, you know, I'm doing missions here and that's great. That's great. Like if you're proclaiming yeah. Christ, that's, that's great. But yes. we also need people to go, man, we do. And, and that's actually why I'm super hesitant personally, even though there's not a problem with saying this, I'm personally uncomfortable with saying we're all missionaries Mm -hmm. because if we're all missionaries, then no one is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I actually want to use that term for the Pauline type, Mm -hmm. um, goers who are, who are leaving their native context to go into a context that is not where they're from. Um, we are all of us called to, to proclaim the same gospel. You know, we are all of us sent ones, absolutely. Um, but there is a distinction between the type of missions that we're talking about, that Piper's talking about in this chapter, yeah. um, that that is that we need to do to keep in view and yeah. be praying for. Yeah. Lord, send labors into your harvest. Yeah. There. Yeah. And so, and I know not everybody agrees with me on on what I just said. Sure. And that's fine, but they're not here right now. <laughs> so. <laughs> He talks about um, having a wartime mentality, and 
Rick, you know me. You know that I, I enjoy reading books on World War II and and learning more about that history and that time frame. And and, what and pe- you have a grenade in your office. <laughs> well, don't you? Yes, I it makes do. Makes me but nervous it's, every it's, day. It's not a live one. Okay, um, that's helpful. Um, but I I enjoy learning about it. I enjoy learning, especially what people were were going through at the time. Not necessarily mm. the war aspect, but what people went through. Um, what what cities, what mm. um, the Jews went through Man. during that time, and. Uh, it gives a perspective of, of what people, how their mentality, how their minds and living situations changed during war. And Paul or uh, John Piper gives that kind of same example of we, we are in a war. We are in a spiritual war. And so things change and we should have a, a mentality of we are in a wartime effort. Yeah. Um, that is, that's not an easy mindset it, it, yeah, to grapple with. I mean, I struggle with it. Sure. And I mean, think about that. You're, when you read about what people were going through during a world war, they weren't going through that for their whole lives. Sure. Their mindset changed because the circumstance was a four, five year time bound. Sure. Adjustment. Sure. And then back to life as normal. Whereas those of us in the church age, have never known anything but sure. the wartime. Sure. Now that's a that that's a challenge. Yeah. To figure out what does this look like because we'll never know yeah. this side of glory yeah. anything different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah, that is it's difficult. How do you how do you how do you change from the physical mm-hmm. and the spiritual? Like recognizing that we're actually in a spiritual warfare. We're not in a physical warfare. Right. But we're in a spiritual warfare. How does how does that how does that translate into how do we um, view our resources? How do we view our missionaries? How do we view the church? Um, and that's difficult. It's difficult, especially when when we're not in a physical warfare. We can we work and we we save up. We do all these things to provide for our family. While you know, some of our missionaries may be struggling, fighting, right, and. Uh, and I love I love his his analogy there of of prayer being a wartime walkie talkie uh, instead of instead of just a domestic intercom. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that what that, does he say? I need another pillow. Yeah, <laughs> Alfred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but viewing viewing prayer in in that sense of we are actually pleading for our commander in chief to to do. Some amazing things, amazing work. Man, that was convicting. Yeah, you know, teach us to pray with fervency. Yeah, because boy, that is not nat- Luther said. Hey, it is far and away easier to preach a sermon yeah. than to pray. Prayer is hard work. Yeah, and then fervent prayer. You know, man, that's a get. We need to be praying for fervent prayer. Yeah. The Puritans would would talk about praying until you pray. Yeah. You know, how often do you, you know, you've been praying for 30 minutes, distracted here, you know, oh, what's that? I've never been interested in that type of bird before, but it just flew by and I'm praying. <laughs> so now that's the most interesting thing yeah. around, yeah, exactly. you know, and then, and then, and then you hit stride yeah. and then you're praying. Mm-hmm. It's not that God didn't hear your prayers for the past 30 minutes, but now you're praying, mm-hmm. you know, and praying for that kind of prayer and then using that kind of prayer to, to, to intercede mm-hmm. for the for our missionaries in what God is doing because we're pleading for the souls of men yeah and women and children and 
you know, and that Satan has every vested interest in us being um, frivolous in our prayers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so easy to be so easy to be distracted for fifteen minutes while you're praying and call it good. You know. Oh yeah. Just pray for fifteen minutes mm-hmm. and and that's good. And half the time I'm checking my phone because it's buzzing every three minutes, kind of thing. And and uh, and then we tune out for the rest of the day. And that's that is that is convicting for sure. You know, and, and that's famous spiritual warfare passage, which, you know, I, when we were doing that um, episode of Voice of the Valley several months back on spiritual warfare and what is it, you know, is the daily Christian life is what it is. Um, he says there, though, here at the end of the, the armor, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. You know, here's missions, right? And also for me. Uh, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Hmm. That's a good thing. That's a good prayer for us to be praying for um, our missionaries. By name, give them words to boldly proclaim the gospel as ambassadors. And I would suggest, too, um, our missionaries have, have newsletters that they send out with prayer requests, specific prayer requests mm-hmm. so yes. you can actually be praying for people that they're ministering to by, by name. name yeah um and you can pray for them you know finances or you know family whatever they they give details of what they need prayer for yes um so i would i would suggest if you if you don't know our missionaries uh talk to rick and and See if you can get the information from him. We have, uh, what is it, quarterly prayer guides? Global prayer guides. And you know what? And, and I'm not going to say this is a guilt trip at all because that's the last thing I want to do, but I've started printing less and less because mm-hmm. the, the I, I may be down to printing, what, 50 or so, yeah. 50 to 70 out of a church of 250, mm-hmm. and most of them stay in that um, plastic holder in yeah. the lobby, uh, and then I just throw them away when I produce the next one. Mm-hmm. Um and, I, and I'm sure people are, are praying, but th- I, what? and I'm guilty too, by the sure. way. I keep sure. it in my prayer journal and then don't use it as much as I should. Yeah. Um, but we really should. We should be using that because this is how our missionaries are saying, this is how you can strategically be coming alongside us in prayer. Yeah. And so let's let's redouble our efforts. I'm going to redouble my efforts. And, and I have a good structure in place, but then I just don't yeah. <laughs> you know, abide by it. Yeah. So let's be using that to pray for our missionaries. Yeah, I was talking to one of our missionaries um, the last time that he was in, in Yakima and, and just asking him, you know, what, what can we do? What can we do? And he, his answer was pray. Mm-hmm. Just we need you to pray. Yeah. That, that is our support um, spiritually. That, that gives us strength supernaturally. Um, because God's doing the work uh, through them, you know. So that's that is a convicting thing because it's so easy to get distracted or to, you know, they're across the globe, they're you know, they're in Othello, they're they're wherever mm-hmm. wherever they're at, right? And to um, just out of out of sight, out of mind, kind of thing. So yeah, that is that is a great reminder to be to be praying for our missionaries. And Rick, I I want to. I just want to finish this this chapter by looking at more about the call to global missions. Yeah. And four motives for missions from John ten sixteen. John ten sixteen says this I have other sheep that are not of this fold. 
I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Um, I, I love this passage because it's if we are Calvinists, which we are, this this passage says that we need to go. <laughs> it says we need to yeah. go. Um, and I love I love this quote, and I'm just going to read this one as well, um, from John Alexander, who is a former president of InterVarsity, um, who struggled with the idea of of um, Calvinism. Yeah, predestination. predestination. And, and how does that fit with missions? Yeah. And so he, it says this, or he says this, at the beginning of my missionary career, uh, I said that, if predestination were true, I could not be a missionary. Hmm. If predestination were true, I could not be a missionary. Now, after 20 years of struggling with the hardness of human heart, okay, total depravity, Man. I say I could mm-hmm. never be a missionary unless I believed in the doctrine of predestination. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's, yeah. yeah, that is pointed. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's also true. Which is, yeah, incredibly <laughs> true, yeah. Yeah. How does this passage speak specifically to us here at Sun Valley Church and how we ought to um, be thinking strategically about missions, praying for, acting, loving, serving. Well, I think the first thing it shows us is that our theology, our statement of faith, the things that we believe about God and how he saves people, mm-hmm. and these aren't just, you know, these aren't just statements on a paper. Um, these are vitally connected to what we ought to be doing. You know, and that goes back, I'm studying James right now, um, pr- pretty in-depth. And uh, one of the things that James constantly goes back to, he says, hey, unless your religion is borne out by how you live, uh, it's not real. Yeah. It's not the religion of the Bible. Um, because the religion of the Bible, gospel faith, produces works, not salvific works uh, of the law that Paul was very clear, um, do not save. But he, but, but James is saying, if we do know the Lord, it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave a mark, yeah. basically. And one of the, the hallmarks of that is, is making Christ known. Mm-hmm. And here in John 10, we see that, that the doctrine of election, um, the doctrine of God's sovereignty, it, it, Jesus He's talking in terms of that when he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And the fold in this context in John 10 um, refers to Israel. And so he has non-Jewish sheep, right, who are not of this fold. I must bring them. Mm-hmm. So this is an imperative statement because Jesus had been sent by the Father. There was no there was no two ways about it. This has got to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and because it has to happen, it will happen. He says, they will listen to my voice. Mm-hmm. Now, how are they going to hear the voice of the shepherd unless someone goes? Yeah. That's Romans 10. Right, right. And so how do we think about it? We, we have the voice of the shepherd with us in the scriptures. And whenever we are faithfully proclaiming the scriptures and the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus is calling out. And we know that among this whole mass of humanity, there are sheep that must come to Jesus. And so it's a matter of going and proclaiming and seeing what Jesus will do. Because, you know, just giving out some gospel tracts the other day, thinking, boy, if I didn't believe that the Holy Spirit was real and can actually convict human hearts, 
this this is going to do nothing. Yeah. So I, there's no way for me to follow up with this person, yeah. and I have no idea if they, you know, after reading this little booklet, are going to, you know, how are, how's anyone going to come to Christ? Yeah. But the fact is, we need to go. We need to give the gospel, and serve people as we can according to what God has called us to and enabled us to do, and trust Him with the results. Mm-hmm. Um, the task is is daunting. And it's far greater than we could possibly accomplish. But look at the fact that we're having this conversation now, 2,000 years later. Mm-hmm. That's evidence of the truth of what yeah. Jesus said. Yeah, amen. And so there will be one flock, one shepherd, Jews, Gentiles, all saved through Jesus, uh, the Messiah, and he's coming back. And the fullness of that flock will be there. Yeah. And, and, you know, as it says, uh, the lamb will have the full reward of his suffering. Yeah. I don't remember where that is but it is true. <laughs> well, Rick, thank you uh, for joining us and, and sharing your insight into the world of missions. We appreciate you being here with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Friends, we hope that this chapter, uh, like the others, has been a tremendous encouragement to you. And again, I would encourage you to pick up Piper's book, uh, Let the Nations Be Glad. It is such a wonderful uh, book on the subject and hopefully fuels your passion uh, to be uh, mission-minded. And before we sign off, I want to let you know that we have a special episode taking place um, this Thursday. Uh, we will be continuing our discussion about global missions with a man who has been on the front line for a couple decades. He is the founder and executive director of Frontline Missions International. He's traveled to more than 80 countries, reporting on the church from the former Iron Curtain countries to war-torn Bosnia, Iraq, and Afghanistan. It's quite the list there. Uh, he's written a few books about the church around the world, and I am really excited to have him with us. So I would encourage you to tune back in on Thursday morning and listen to what Tim Kazee has to say. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you this Sunday and this Thursday on another episode of The Voice of Valley. Have a great day.